0: This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair LaVora Barnes.
1: Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm LaVora Barnes. The word this week, futility. As the year comes to a close, the contrast between the Republican-run U.S. House of Representatives and the Democratic-majority state legislature is stunning. In Washington, Republicans have produced the least productive legislative year since the Great Depression. Republicans took control of the House in 2023. Over the year, they've managed to enact a paltry 23 laws. The all-time record for doing next to nothing was set in 1931 during the Herbert Hoover administration, when only 22 were enacted. Congresswoman Debbie Dingell says it best in her latest weekly report to her constituents. Quote, we have become a Congress of too much gotcha and not enough. Let's solve these problems. Their big accomplishment? They did manage to elect and then fire a Speaker of the House, only to elect an even more extreme radical to replace him. Representative Dingell was right about the gotcha. They have held more than a few committee hearings to create soundbites for Fox News but produce nothing. This week, they launched an impeachment investigation into President Biden with no proof of high crimes and misdemeanors. A fishing expedition ordered by Donald Trump, that is, retribution for the two impeachments of Trump. What's missing from this 2023 record of the Republican House? They didn't produce anything to cut costs for families, promote job creation, protect the planet from climate change, protect voting rights, reduce crime rate, pass critically needed funding for Ukraine's war with Russia, or pass funding for increased border security. They couldn't even manage to pass a full-year budget for the government, just a 60-day kick-the-can-down-the-road continuing resolution. In Lansing, things have been completely different. Democrats gained the majority in 2023 and set records for legislative successes Including new laws on gun safety, worker rights, green energy, reproductive freedom for women, improving K 12 and higher education, protecting your right to vote, and to have your vote accurately counted. Republicans bring futility, Democrats bring results. Keep that in mind as we campaign in 2024. I also want to briefly discuss two of the latest GOP outrages the shameful treatment of Kate Cox in Texas and the ridiculous Trump-ordered impeachment vote in the House. You've probably heard about Ms. Cox. She and her husband were eagerly looking forward to the birth of their third child when they got the horrible news that the fetus has a fatal genetic defect that guaranteed her baby would die a painful death within days of birth, and that she could lose her ability to have another child, and might even die. Thanks to a draconian abortion ban passed by Texas Republicans, and backed up by the state's corrupt Republican Attorney General and the all-Republican state Supreme Court, she was denied an abortion that doctors unanimously agreed was vital to protect her life and avoid needless suffering for her baby. It was inhumane and outrageous. Ms. Cox was fortunate enough to have the ability to travel out of state to get medical help. Untold, thousands of women in states like Texas and Florida don't have that option. Then there's the Biden impeachment vote. Imagine that you get a notice from your county prosecutor saying you're being investigated by a grand jury on a hunch that you might have committed a crime. We think there might be something there. We don't know what it is, but we're going to look anyway. That's exactly what's being done to President Biden. It's a brazen, unconscionable effort to destroy the reputation of a man known for his integrity, all because their likely presidential candidate is charged with 91 felonies and has demanded that his MAGA puppet slime Joe Biden with baseless insinuations amplified by their right-wing media patrons. It's a repeat of McCarthyism, but this time with the backing of an entire political party. In a few moments, we'll take a look at one of the Democrats' biggest accomplishments in 2023, groundbreaking climate change laws. We'll hear from the majority floor leaders in the state Senate and House, Senator Sam Singh, and Representative Abraham Ayash. But first, an update on the political and policy news this week that has direct impact on Michigan with MDP's Dorian Tyus.
2: In the news this week. When state lawmakers return to Lansing next month, they may consider capping interest rates charged by payday lending companies who market themselves as providing easy ways to cover unexpected or emergency costs. Interest would be capped at a 36 percent annual percentage rate. Rates in some cases now can exceed 340 percent, according to Monique Stanton, president and CEO of the Michigan League for Public Policy. At payday lenders' physical locations, 77% of advertisements target racial minorities, according to an Emory University Law Study published in 2021. Payday lenders are also disproportionately located in rural or low-income areas, and their high rates can lead people into perpetual debt despite their marketing. The Michigan Court of Appeals said Thursday, it won't stop former president Donald Trump from appearing on the state 2024 Republican primary ballot, turning aside challenges from critics who argued that his role in the 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol disqualifies him. The court affirmed two lower court rulings without determining whether Trump falls under the insurrection clause in the Constitution's 14th Amendment. Testifying in court Thursday, Top Michigan Republicans linked the organization and execution of a false certificate saying Donald Trump won the state's 2020 presidential election directly to Trump's campaign. The testimony Thursday described campaign staffers as being involved in recruiting attendees and running the meeting of the false electors in Lansing on December 14, 2020. The revelations came on the second day of preliminary examinations for six of the Republican electors as Attorney General Dana Nessel's office pursues criminal forgery charges against those whose names appeared on the false certificate. Donald Trump holds a commanding 50-point lead over Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley among Republican primary voters in Michigan, most of whom believe Trump's false claims about the 2020 election and say he did nothing wrong in his response, according to the Washington post Monmouth University poll. The post Monmouth poll finds 63% of potential Republican primary voters in Michigan support former President Trump for the party's nomination, compared with 13% who support former U.N. Ambassador Haley and 13% who back DeSantis. Florida's governor. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie stands at 5% with entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy has 3% support. Governor Whitmer has proposed a new rebate program that will make cars and trucks more affordable for Michiganders with bigger brakes for people who buy electric hybrid, and union-built vehicles. The $25 million program will grant $2,500 tax rebates for union-made electric or hybrid vehicles or $2,000 for electric or hybrid vehicles made in non-union factories. Combined with a $7,500 federal credit, a Michigan family could knock up to $10,000 off the price of a new battery electric vehicle or plug-in hybrid electric vehicle. The Whitmer administration will send checks averaging $550 directly to about 700,000 households that qualify for the Earned Income Tax Credit in Michigan early next year. A wide-ranging overhaul of Michigan's tax policies that Whitmer approved in March decreased taxes on retirement income and boosted the EITC, which benefits low- and moderate-wage workers, from 6% of the federal EITC to 30% of the federal credit, dropping state revenues by about an estimated $385 million a year. The Internal Revenue Service says the current basic qualifications for the EITC include having worked, having earned income under $63,398 annually, and having investment income below $11,000. Attorney General Dana Nessel's office on Wednesday confirmed it is investigating a $2 million grant that lawmakers approved in 2018 to study bringing commercial rocket launches to the state. The grant is one of a dozen pet projects that lawmakers approved in the final hours of former Governor Rick Snyder's administration. Gavin Brown, executive director of the nonprofit Michigan Aerospace Manufacturing Association, which got the grant had pitched that Michigan would be ideal for launches into near-Earth orbit. Given its northern location, the space industry has exploded in recent decades, and numerous public and private entities have raced to join the industry. But nothing has come of the idea in Michigan. Vice President Harris has launched the Biden-Harris administration's Safer States Initiative to provide states with additional tools, and the support they need to reduce gun violence and save lives. Key actions recommended for the states that are included in the initiative, establishing a state office of gun violence prevention, investing in evidence-informed solutions to prevent and respond to gun violence, strengthening support for survivors and victims of gun violence, reinforcing responsible gun ownership, strengthening gun background checks, and holding the gun industry accountable. To help states advance this agenda, the Justice Department is announcing two new executive actions to reduce gun violence, safe storage model legislation, something already enacted by the Michigan legislature, and lost and stolen firearms reporting model legislation. Links to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan's Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyatt. Thank you, Dorian. The world
1: is catching up with Michigan with action to save the planet from the worst of climate change. Representatives from nearly 200 countries agreed at the COP28 Climate Summit to begin reducing global consumption of fossil fuels to avert the worst of climate change, signaling the eventual end of the oil age. The deal struck in Dubai after two weeks of hard-fought negotiations was meant to send a powerful message to investors and policymakers that the world is united in its desire to break with fossil fuels, something scientists say is the last best hope to stave off a climate catastrophe. Michigan Democrats have taken strong action in the battle to save the planet passing a landmark series of laws despite strong opposition from Republicans in both chambers. Two of the leaders who guided these bills to the governor's desk were majority floor leaders of the House and Senate, Representative Abraham Ayash and Senator Sam Singh. They detailed the groundbreaking climate laws in conversations with our Walt Zorg.
3: Senator Singh, you and Representative Ayash and many others spent most of the year working on
4: this legislation that is now law in Michigan. What are the basic elements of it? If Senate Democrats introduced our climate package in April of this year, we spent the entire summer working with stakeholder groups trying to refine that package. Our first major bill of that package was a bill to get Michigan to 100 percent clean energy by 2040. It involves a 60% uh, renewable energy by 2035. And then from that point forward, you begin to take a look at things like nuclear energy and other activities to be able to make sure we get to a place where we can have reliability and cost effectiveness, but make sure that we are really changing the way we do energy. Our second bill in the package really takes a look at how we bring equity to the Public Service Commission as it looks at how it regulates our utilities, make sure that we are taking into account health impacts of their decisions, make sure that climate is at the forefront when they're making their decisions, and so pretty exciting legislation. The last piece of that was a bill to look at energy efficiency and how we can help our residents make their homes more energy efficient, their businesses more energy efficient, and obviously the best savings is you know not using that energy on at those costs. And so it's uh, an exciting package, one of the, the top packages in the country for climate and exciting that it's happening here in Michigan.
3: Representative Ayash, you are amongst the leaders in the legislature on clean energy legislation and how that links to job growth in Michigan. What is the connection as you see it?
0: You can't have one without the other. I think there's an opportunity in Michigan right now as we're moving to a cleaner, greener Michigan that also means there's a huge opportunity for jobs. And we're not just talking about low-wage jobs, but we're really talking about high-wage jobs that can establish careers for folks across our
3: state. This was an issue in the UAW negotiations, but you see a a great potential for creating new union jobs in Michigan as the transition is made to electric vehicles, which is just one of the major parts of a clean energy future. How do you see that transition going?
0: I, I think if we're very intentional, then we can show the rest of the nation how we can do it right. Michigan built the middle class and we can build the clean energy middle class. And when we talk about energy and sustainability and and moving towards a healthy climate, we're not just talking about EVs. I know EVs tend to take up a lot of the oxygen in the room, but there are so many opportunities for Michigan to become a leader in solar and wind energy generation and storage. These are the things that can help our state become an industry leader across America. And it will show that Michigan's open for business. It'll show families that want to come settle down here, that we can be a state that will provide you an opportunity for a job with a decent wage, a dignified wage and benefits and fair and safe labor standards. And we know that only happens if we're intentional and we work shop and design the process to make it that way. One of the pieces of legislation in Michigan House Democrats introduced is the Office of Just Transition which means if we're going to move away from some of these older technologies towards these cleaner, newer technologies, that we are being considerate of all the workers that are currently in those spaces and that we give them a just transition into the potential for a new economy that will build a Michigan that will sustain our planet and our economy for decades to come. One
4: of the great things uh, that we've already seen is a lot of clean energy jobs have come to Michigan. Uh, We had a report come out over the summer that showed that uh, Michigan actually is leading in green jobs here in the Midwest. And as you begin to see this shift, you're going to see a lot more companies coming into Michigan, taking a look at putting rooftop solar onto small businesses, onto neighborhood homes, into community centers. But at the same time, you need to get these larger facilities, whether they're wind, solar or storage, and you'll be seeing these larger companies as well. So I think there's an opportunity for the small entrepreneurs, but then ultimately the larger companies as well. And then when we look at energy efficiency, the programs that are going to get created out of that area, I think there's going to be a lot of how to get workers trained and how they can get the skills to be able to do the work to making somebody's home weatherized, making sure that we're getting all the efficiency out of a home. And so we actually put some pieces in our legislation that would require our utilities, looking at hiring people for our energy efficiency jobs to go into the community and try to bring in people from our neighborhoods. And so we wanted to make sure we had equity at the center of these conversations. And so I think you'll see a spectrum of jobs created here, whether it's for people who are entering into this type of field, to people who've been around and businesses who've been around for a while. At the same time, we created a a bill creating a just transition office within state government I was pleased that Jasper Bartis, a good first-term state rep out of Genesee County, worked with me to help implement this. And now, for the first time in Michigan, we will have within the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, an office that is focused on working with industry and workers to see what changes are going to be happening in their area. So we've asked them to focus in the first year on the energy sector, as well as the automotive sector and take a look at the changes, whether it's EVs of the automotive sector or if it's uh, new solar jobs that might be coming into Michigan. What do we need to do to train our employees to be able to get those jobs? Uh, We have a lot of federal money that comes through the state of Michigan. Now, perhaps we could utilize that in a proactive way, make sure that workers are ready for jobs of, of the future, but then also helping the businesses if they have to retool themselves as well. And so this is an exciting new part of state government that will be created next year. It's being modeled after programs that we've seen work in Colorado and Illinois. But our focus was let's help our workers make sure that they handle this transition well and be able to make sure they get good paying jobs as the transition happens. Anytime you have a a major structural change in our economy,
3: there is the fear amongst many people about change. It's human nature. One of those concerns is in the siting of solar installations, especially, but also in terms of the wind turbines. How is the legislature responding to these fears at the local level about the transition to clean energy?
0: Completely understand the concerns. I know that I've had lots of discussions with local stakeholders on what that looks like for them. The fact of the matter is, we cannot reach our climate goals and our clean energy goals if we are not doing the work necessary to roll this out as efficiently and as safely as as possible. We introduced the Clean Energy Jobs Act to create a streamlined process that will still allow local communities to have a say in the process that allows them to have a voice as we are discussing it. And we are building robust language around making sure workers are are not going to be taken advantage of, making sure that local communities will have strong and robust community benefits. So we believe that this is going to be a win for everyone. It's a win for the planet. It's a win for our communities. And it's a win for our working families that would love to see higher paying jobs that can provide them a career path for decades to come. And we believe the clean energy future will allow us to do that. And the Clean Energy and Jobs Act will make it in such a way where we are being considerate of all of those factors.
3: Senator saying it seems to me, at least, this shouldn't be a partisan issue. We all live on the same planet, yet it has become a very divisive issue with the Republicans fighting you all the way, mostly based on the issue of costs.
4: Yeah, I will say I definitely have heard from our district, and I have a fairly diverse district, right? Climate is an issue that's impacting them, whether it's the farmland in the Clinton taiwasi County that are going through some extreme weather events. uh, We're seeing a variety of other topic areas with flooding and so forth. So I do think everyone is taking a look at climate and taking it seriously, at least from a residential perspective. But I do agree with you, the cost is going to be an incredible factor. If you take a look at how much solar has come down in cost over the last 15 years, you take a look at how much storage technology is changing in the last five years, those costs have come down considerably. So it's oftentimes the most efficient, and cost-effective way of moving energy forward. So, for example, just this last summer, DTE had their integrated resource planning settlement, which they said they were going to move up a closure of a coal plant by three years. And by closing that coal plant down three years earlier and then moving towards renewable, they're going to save their customers a $100 million. Again, a $100 million. It is also a unique period of time because of the Biden administration. Uh, I think everyone knows that whether it was part of the Infrastructure Act or the Inflation Reduction Act, there have been programs that have been put forward that will bring dollars and resources to, at the state level and the community level, for uh, energy infrastructure. And that is going to be very helpful. So there are dollars available right now for our utilities to pull down. And what they can do is put carbon capture onto their natural gas plants that will reduce the uh, carbon intensity. There are programs that the state has applied right now. I think they've got an application of close to $400 million that they're applying for that would bring in community solar and rooftop solar with the prime focus of being at low-income communities. And so as we have all these federal dollars here for this only short period of time, the fact that we're passing legislation and those are all going to line up is going to bring billions of dollars to the state of Michigan. It's also going to make the transition, much more cost-effective. One of the
3: arguments that we hear from the top down in the Republican Party, starting with former President Trump, is that the transition to a clean energy environment, especially in the auto industry, is the doom of the auto industry. And this is being echoed by Republican after Republican after Republican.
4: You could have taken the same conversations from 20 years ago and just brought them here. Like, nothing is really... Changed in their rhetoric, and it's surprising because obviously the general public has come a long way. The whole economics of climate has gone in in a very different way, but they're living in in the past, and they're using scare tactic as talking points versus actually talking about what their residents want, what the residents are demanding. And so, I'm not surprised uh, that they're living in the past. But at the same time, if they're going to want to survive, whether it's a party or if they ever want to find control of these chambers again i think they're going to have to be able to take a real look at themselves and take science technology has moved a long way and your residents and your party not maybe your party members but the people who still identify as republicans have come a long way on this issue but the elected officials haven't
3: it seems now that the legislative republicans are even out of step with their traditional allies the leadership in the business community
4: yeah, there's uh, programs within our utilities, voluntary green programs that most of our Fortune 500 companies are voluntarily moving themselves towards that. And Once we get the utilities to move in that direction, those big businesses are trying to find that opportunity because they know their customers want that. They know their board of directors want that. And yeah, the business community come a long way on those issues as well. And I think when you take a look at what Democrats put forward, these were very pragmatic policies. They will have a significant impact on climate. They will definitely do all the things that we want them to do. But we did it in a way that took a look at Michigan and the unique natures of Michigan. Michigan is a cold state. We have some of these days in our winter that we need to make sure that we have the reliability of our grid. Sometimes wind and solar can't keep up with the amount of intensity we need to keep our homes and our businesses going in the, in some of our winter months. And so the policy we put forward were very pragmatic as it became really hard for the Republicans to attack it because we took into consideration some of the most key reliability factors. And so at the end, they just ended up airing their rhetoric, but weren't able to attack any of these issues with actual policy statements.
3: Senate Majority Floor Leader Sam Singh, House Majority Floor Leader Abraham Ayash. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: That's our report for this week. We thank Senator Sam Singh and Representative Abraham Ayash for their work to advance climate change legislation as Michigan leads the way among states in fighting to save the planet. I'm LaVora Barnes. We'll be back next week with our special guest, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson. Have a wonderful holiday weekend with your loved ones.
0: Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.